Hey everyone, before we get started, I wanted to thank you so much for listening. This is the last episode of our season and I can't thank you enough for tuning in. I wanted to shout out a few ways that you can support the show. First is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. This goes a long way in helping us reach new listeners. So drop us a five-star review or write something up. It means the world and it really makes a difference on the show. You can share the show with friends, send it off in an email, tweet it, post it, all of that good stuff. You can subscribe to our newsletter at makingwayspodcast.com. There we'll be announcing new merch soon and more ways that you can support the show. Plus, you can follow us on Instagram at making.ways. I'm posting tons of artwork and photos and behind-the-scenes goodness there. And hit subscribe on the series wherever you're listening to it. Bonus episodes are coming up, and there's going to be a new season before you know it. If you just started tuning in to Making Ways, definitely go back and listen to the start of this season. We've got Not a Surf, Krungbin, Shamir, Death Heaven, Bonnie Light Horseman, Sad 13, and so many more amazing bands and their visual art collaborators talking about the intersection of art and music and amazing tips and insights and advice that you can bring into your work around creative collaboration. Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive into the episode. Generally speaking, if it makes you laugh and then also a little bit sad, that's the best. That's the perfect. That's, that's where the you best want one. It. That's the way I like to make stuff. If I'm feeling those things while I'm doing it, then it's probably good. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways Podcast. This season, we're talking to musicians and the visual artists they collaborate with to create iconic album covers, videos, posters, and merchandise that make the experience of music so much more than just sound. On the show, you're going to learn more about the bands you love, get turned on to new music, and uncover the stories behind the art of music. You might even learn a thing or two you can bring back to your own creative practice. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm a diehard music lover, an illustrator for bands, and a creative producer. I'm obsessed with the way visual art and music can combine to make something memorable for our eyes and for our ears. On today's episode, I'm talking to musician and songwriter, the wonderfully talented Lucas Nathan, otherwise known as Jerry Paper, and Steve Smith, the brilliant 3D animator, video editor, and designer who collaborates with Lucas on their videos and live-action projects. I implore you to watch the videos for Choya, My God, and Your Cocoon. They will most certainly blow your mind. I was recently turned on to the music of Jerry Paper and absolutely love it. It's chill, breezy, absurd, and as Lucas describes it, funny with just a touch of sadness. Steve is one of the most talented 3D animators I've seen, and he's done work with Team Coco, Snapchat, and edited the TBS TV series, The Dress Up Gang. And both Lucas and Steve have done projects for Adult Swim. The videos that Steve creates for Jerry Paper are surreal, trippy, and a discomforting mix of the organic and the industrial, with stories that match the imagination of Lucas's music. In this conversation, we talk about the creative collaboration between Lucas and Steve on Jerry Paper's videos, go into the making of Jerry Paper's latest album, Abracadabra, talk through each of their video projects together, and discuss Lucas and Steve's art and music origin stories. You're in for a truly unique conversation with two fascinating, funny, and very talented people. And throughout this episode, you'll hear snippets of Jerry Paper's music, including Quicksand and Choya from their new album, Abracadabra, and 3D Dream World Mix from Big Pop for Chameleon World around the middle of this episode. I started things off by hearing more about how Lucas and Steve originally connected in L.A. It was at Cha-Cha-Cha. I don't remember it that specifically. I was just going to say Jay Weingarten introduced us, but you sound like yes. you remember the specific moment. <laughs> I mean, I remember the experience. I, basically, I was moving from New York to L.A., where I'm from, moving back after seven years in New York. And my friend Cole Kushner, also an incredibly good visual creator, emailed me and said that I had to be friends with his friend Jay, 
So <laughs> like the week after I moved back to LA, I met up with Jay and Jay had invited his neighbor, Steve, to yeah. go to cha-cha-cha together. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and I was already a fan of yours, Lucas. I, I remember like Jay was like, oh, I'm going to cha-cha-cha with Jerry Paper. And I was like, whoa, I want to I wanna hang out with him. That sounds great. <laughs> I, I think I invited myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, it worked out great. So, Steve, you were aware of Jerry Paper and Lucas's music. When did you, Lucas, get turned on to Steve's artwork and and video work and maybe that first collaboration? Well, initially we were just doing like comedy stuff with Jay. It was just like the three of us. I don't remember exactly. I just know that we do it now a lot. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we were recording like these live streamed comedy shows we did a test one for adult swim that never came out but then we ended up releasing on a meme page on facebook and we did a couple of those we did one for super deluxe and then lucas had an album coming out and i remember like suggesting like oh you should let me do some videos for that and that's how it happened yeah that was like a baby yeah right yeah 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 yeah. what was the first video your cocoon right i think it was your cocoon I can't, I th- well, it was like your cocoon and my God were simultaneous. Yeah. Like yeah. we were, we were working on them at the same time. I think we talked about the idea for my God first and like, we're like hashing it out. And I, w- I remember thinking like, oh yeah, this is cool. It's live action. I, I haven't done a ton of that. I'm not even sure this is going to happen, but then it did happen. So that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> it happened good. It did happen really good. We had a great we had a great set for that one. The location was incredible. Yeah, the concepts are so surreal and I think they match Lucas your music so well. But when you're describing, I mean, my god is, you know, live action. There're scenes that happen there, but when you're describing the concepts, Steve, how much of the music have you taken in? How much of the work have you done kind of on your end to explore concepts before you bring it to Lucas and say, "Okay, here's the idea." Well, I, yeah, I think it's it's like half and half. With My God specifically, that was like, we were just doing the lyrics to the song. And yeah. I think like Lucas had already had the idea for the video. And so I was just concentrating on sort of fleshing out what the like moments, moment to moment stuff that would happen in the video was. But then something like Your Cocoon, it's almost completely stream of consciousness. Like very lucky to be working with Lucas because... I like have a general idea for like the stuff that I want to show, but because of the 3d animation process that I do, it's very much just like, all right, we're doing this shot today. What do I put in it? And then I put stuff in it and Lucas just trusts me to do something. And it turns out good. I think generally speaking, unless it's like my God, where it's like straight lyrics, generally speaking, I just say like, do whatever you want Steve. Because I think when I'm collaborating with someone, I like when people do that to me. And I feel like I make better work that way. So I try to do that with Steve, too. Because I know that if Steve's having fun, then it's going to be good. Like, I just know it's going to be good because Steve is good. So why should I micromanage every little thing if it's just going to be annoying for everybody? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, really, I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's a much better creative process to just be like, just do your thing. It's going to be good. I I don't need to be in control of it. <laughs> yeah, you're like a dream client. Do you see like <laughs> do you see like scene by scene or no? You get it at the end and you're like, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, Steve f- pulls his phone up, films his computer screen for me like throughout the day and be like, "What do you does this look good?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it looks friggin' great." I mean, it's usually it's less does this look good and just like look at this funny thing I made and I go, <laughs> "Yeah, it looks friggin' great. I love it." <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes you'll toss out like an idea, like I think when we were doing your cocoon, you tossed out the idea of the the clown face painting, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's oh yeah, that's the story we'll we'll put in this one, like the very loose yeah. story." How long does something like that take? Because from a viewer's perspective, it's just so immersive, so detailed, and there's so many mini stories within one overall video. How, how long does it take? And then, are you working with other people, Steve, or is it just all your handiwork? So I think that one took. Like the animation process for it was, I want to say it was like mid-May to like late June was like the animation process, but we were, we were setting it up for a while. I think we got, Lucas, I think we got your head scanned in like March 
and then didn't yeah. finish the video until June. But we got my head scanned for a different thing anyway, right? Oh, wait. Yeah, that's Was right. Was that for oh, a okay. facelift? Yes, yeah. that's right. We got your head scanned for facelift, and then I reused the scan for this. That That's correct. <laughs> that's why it feels like a much longer timeline for this facelift, one. Facelift, our most popular work of art. Yeah, that's is that the true? most popular thing. Yeah, I think it has five million views. I mean, he did like a crazy. year ago. I bet you he's got more. It's just like it's just very funny for for something that we just tossed together for something to be like the most absorbed work of like work that we've done, and also as like virtually no connection to our names. Yeah, yeah, totally. Lucas, was that the first? I think that was actually the first thing we worked on together. That sounds about right. Yeah, I think it might have yeah. been the first thing we worked on together. And then we were like, hey, let's do music video. That's- we were basically just like, oh, we already have a scan in my head. Like, we can just do tons <laughs> yeah. of stuff with that now. <laughs> I think it was late 2017 when we did that. And then mid-2018 is when Your Cocoon came out. And so Your Cocoon was just me. But I like to think about it like a lot of people worked on it because I used a ton of pre-made assets that I downloaded from a website called TurboSquid. I think it's about like 50-50 stuff that I like sat there meticulously and made and stuff that I just like found online and was like, oh yeah, we'll use this. This is perfect. I don't need to spend three days making a brick wall. I can just download one. <laughs> let, let me just ask real quick, Steve, like when was your earliest experimentations with computer graphics and motion graphics? Like, is this something you were doing like when you were seven, eight, nine, or was it more what you studied in college? I was doing like flash animations in high school that I hope nobody ever finds. <laughs> and that was like sort of my first like foray into computer graphics. And then through college, in college, I was actually, I wanted to study like live action filmmaking, but the school I went to had a, more of a concentration on animation. So I sort of went that route and did a degree in traditional animation. So like paper on like pencil on paper and then like shooting it on a down shooter. And I started messing around with like 3d animation at that time but very like crude stuff you know like spheres and triangles animating around and then i would uh data mosh on top of that which was very popular at the time because of kanye west and then i started taking like cgi seriously a couple years after college when i was out in la and lucas i know you i think you started with drums am i right about that when you were real real young and then bass or no i think i started with piano and then, I don't know, yeah, I mean, I tried lots of different things. I, I played drums. Basically, the main issue was the only drum set, like, actual drum set that I could play on. Like, I, my parents' friend had an electric drum set that he let us borrow so I could, like, practice at home. But the only real drum set I could play on was at school, and the band teacher's son was also a drummer. So they made me always play bongos instead. <laughs> Because the band teacher was prioritizing yeah, his own Which, son. like, is kind of honestly psychotic now that I think about it. Because I'm like, at the time it made sense because I was just a little kid. But now it's like, couldn't we just have switched off? He could play drums on one song. And I it's like, instead, I just had to play bongos on every song. What a it hilarious sucked. solution to that problem the band teacher came up with. He's like, well, I have to let my son. My son's the only person that can play the drums. Yeah. We'll put Lucas on bongos. <laughs> And then there was another drummer, and that drummer had to only play the snare drum. It was, like, the craziest thing. So we'd be doing, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit with, like, bongos. One person just jamming on the snare drum. And then, like, it was just so psychotic. But anyway, that's why I stopped playing drums. Because I was like, oh, I, I can never get good because I can't really play with other people because they won't let me. So I got really into bongos. And then, honestly, maybe that has something to do with why I make music I make now, because there's a lot of bongos in everything. <laughs> All that time on the bongos. like Bongos are my soul now. <laughs> it forced it. <laughs> Lucas, what about on your recordings? Are there lots of different musicians playing along with you, or are you playing everything on there? The music itself, to me, sounds very musical. There's a lot of musicianship that I hear coming through in the work. Honestly, depends on the album. There are a couple albums I did with members of Bad Bad Not Good, and those albums have extremely good musicianship. Yeah, the last, you know, Abracadabra was my first attempt after like five years of doing music very collaboratively, of trying to do it mostly myself. 
so I played most of the stuff. I think my friend played congas on a song, and my friend played guitar on a song. And, you know, it was just kind of like when friends would come through the studio, I'd be like, yeah, you should play this. But generally speaking, I was doing that one, mostly me. I mean, I can't play horns, so like horn players play the horns. The early albums were, you know, it's all drum machine and synth, and that was that's all me, you know, in my apartment in New York, just boop, 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 boop. But yeah, I mean, Toon Time Raw and Like a Baby both were recorded in Toronto with Bad Bad. Awesome. Is Abracadabra the closest version of what you hear in your head down on the, the record? Or is every recording kind of a, a capture of that in the moment and Abracadabra is just kind of the next evolution of where you are as an artist? All of the albums are generally snapshots of that period of my life and what I'm interested in. And Abracadabra was definitely like the first time that I've been able to be in a studio, just me and an engineer, and to see what happens when I'm in that environment. Because generally speaking, it would be like me in my home with synths or me in Toronto for like two weeks and we have to work like crazy hours constantly trying to get an album done before I have to fly home. (laughs) So it's just like super crazy rush. They're all different situations that lead to different sounds. I mean, this is definitely the first time that I've been able to be like, I want to make a hi-fi record. And what is that? You know, what happens when I do that? I think it turned out well. I mean, it's a bummer that it came out during the pandemic and it's definitely getting like less absorbed. I think probably because I'm not touring and I also really don't like doing virtual shows. And so generally speaking, I'm not promoting it, (laughs) which I feel like is the the main (laughs) impediment. But I think the album is good. Yeah, I'm I'm someone outside the music and I love this record. Yeah, I think it's thank you. Yeah, it's so fun to listen to. And it's it's a kind of album that I feel like I can sit down and focus on and like listen to every, you know, every track, every lyric, but I can also have it going in the background and just kind of feel the vibe around it and be put in a good mood or kind of transported someplace. So yeah, it's so much fun. And the sound of it is, is so good. Thank you. Yeah, it was an interesting album to make because it was the first time it was just like me and an engineer. So for the beginning of the recording, I was so anxious, like really felt very uncomfortable, just like, oh, I have to play this bass line like 40 times to get it right in front of this person who's just sitting there like bored. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, like I was feeling very self-conscious. The experience was really intense. And I don't know, it was a transformative experience by the end of it being like, I just love making music, making music so fun, like. And also feeling like closer to the engineer, Jake, who's amazing. And just feeling like I was able to get over like a lot of my anxieties through the experience. I think generally speaking for my albums, I put myself in a situation where I have to learn something. And if I'm doing that alone, it feels fun and good. But this was the experience where I was learning something in front of someone. Instead of like the last couple albums was like learning something with someone, like right. me and Maddie Tavares, we produced the records together. So we're like doing it together. And this was just like, I'm doing this, but there's just someone in the room and it makes me feel so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting, Lucas, because that's kind of what I try to do with like your videos specifically, because they're like an opportunity to do whatever I want. So I generally try to learn something new with each one whether it's, you know, some piece of 3D software or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a really good creative device learning something. <laughs> because yeah, absolutely. you don't know, so you're not going to do something that you've done before and mm-hmm. you're also like able to like get some sort of support from people who have done things, but also it's just an automatic experimentation situation. Like you kind of have to in order to learn. Yeah, totally. Right, your mind automatically opens up to new ideas and experiences because you're taking in that learning. And that's a big shift going from, you know, your bedroom to, or, you know, working with bad, bad, not good, like people that you know, to this room with strangers. So you didn't have a relationship with the producer and the engineer really before you. Oh, I mean, I knew Jake, but there's just something different about trying to do music while there's someone next to you. than trying to do music with someone like and also that being said like at a certain point it got to a place where jake felt comfortable i don't know sharing ideas with me it felt more mutual 
I'm sure the entire transformation of the thing was all inside me, too. It's like my anxieties and then me shedding my anxieties and all these things. I heard you talk about basically the collaboration on this record drawing you in new directions that you weren't necessarily immediately comfortable with, but then in retrospect, like brought you to a great new place. So it seems like that collaboration, that having someone in the room drew you out and exposed you in a way artistically, and then that new ground you gained in retrospect to help the sound. Yeah, I mean, you know, for the past couple records, I've been accidentally becoming more comfortable with rock, with doing rock music. Hard rock, heavy metal. Very hard (laughs) rock. So, like, that was something that Maddie was trying to, like, nudge me towards <laughs> mostly just because like I was so uncomfortable with it and there was a song that really called for that. <laughs> so I think I'm trying to, I don't know. I mean, just over the course of years, just trying to get more and more comfortable with making the music that is coming out of me. And that is an expression of myself instead of trying to make the music that I want to make. I mean, that's, that is a big blockage that I have when I start an album, which is always like, I have an idea for what I want to make. And then I start to make things that don't have anything to do with that. And then I'm like, so frustrated. And then I get to a point where I'm like, oh, wait, I should just go with that. It's just going to be more fun. It's going to be like, it's going to come out of me. And that's the whole point of this. (laughs) This is the whole point of making the music is so that is to express something that generally speaking, I don't understand until it comes out and then other people can figure out what that was. That's really interesting that the process is about getting more and more comfortable with yourself and the music and the noise that you're making naturally versus like what you're trying, you know, you're trying to get somewhere. You know, it's it's very interesting because when I was just doing like synth music alone, it was very easy to just tap into that. But generally speaking, because I didn't have like a music career, so I wasn't thinking about, like things didn't get complicated. And also I wasn't really performing live. I mean, I did for a few years solo, but there was this gradual shift towards performing live for me, where that was my comfortable place to express you know this i mean i'm non-binary and that was a very comfortable place to express my gender as well like wearing a dress on stage and through the pandemic like i've been kind of coming to this place where as i've been cut off from live performance and realizing like oh i used to have this freedom in recording and i always do and Generally, like, what I use on my records is always the moments of that freedom, but it got muddied for so long in, like, my anxiety and my... I mean, really, I had just compartmentalized this kind of freedom into performance and into dance and into singing and into the expression of my stage performance. And I don't know. I've just been in this place where I'm very much getting back to that. I mean, coming out as non-binary has been a very good way for me to express that freedom, generally speaking, in my life instead of and taking it off of the stage and just being like, this is who I am always. And I don't have to put it in this one place just because that's the safest place because people don't understand and don't know how to understand. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because I was reading you talk about Jerry Paper as that free space, as that kind of like creative facade or moniker where there's a lot of freedom, there's a lot of flexibility in the music and the performance and in everything. And to me, how you're explaining it now is that kind of the boundary between your idea of Jerry Paper and Lucas Nathan are starting to blur and blend and get more kind of comfortable just overall. Yeah, I I mean, I've realized so many ways of how that was a safe way of letting myself express this thing that I did when I was younger, and then I really bottled up and tried to fit into maleness and a certain kind of safe expression of myself. And I'm very much in the process of dissolving those walls that I put up within myself and that I think came out in certain kinds of creative blockages. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And let's talk about collaboration around the new record, also visually. So I know, Steve, you also worked on the album cover and packaging, and I, I think with Alan Resnick and Darren Rabinowitz. Darren did the prosthetic eyes, and Alan took the photos. I love the imagery. It's iconic. It's surreal. I think it fits the music so well. And then, Steve, you did a Snapchat filter, or you did some kind of like filter for it, too, for, with the, the eyes popping out? Yeah, yeah. We did the Snapchat filter, to, to, or uh, it was Instagram filter to promote Instagram. it. Instagram, okay. Which was... Yeah. I thought pretty effective. It seemed like a ton of people were using it, and that was really cool. And it just made a lot of sense with the album art itself. I think the initial image, we knew we wanted to do something prosthetic to manipulate Lucas's face, but we didn't know exactly what. And I think I came upon an illustration in like a Dungeons and Dragons manual that was like listing different mutations. Actually, it was Warhammer, and it was different mutations Chaos Space Marines could have. And one of them was these protruding eyes. And I sent it to Lucas and Lucas was just like, yeah, this is great. Let's, let's go with that. Initially, I just asked Steve to write the name of the album in an interesting way. Like I was just thinking like Italian 60s movie style thing. And then just like very simple color block. Yeah, it was like it was just yellow, yellow on blue initially right it's kind of the way yeah yellow on blue yeah but like I'll, the way a lot of things develop is just like come up with one idea and then i think you said like well maybe we can get prosthetics for a video or something and there was like a narrative video we were putting together yeah where we were gonna hire a tom cruise lookalike yeah we were gonna do a whole lot of lookalikes yeah you were gonna put on a private concert for tom cruise yeah we were gonna do like a whole series of comedy promotional videos and then it just turned out to not actually warrant yeah. the amount of work that would go into it and that you just do music videos yeah that's and the prosthetic was because part of the narrative was that you had gotten plastic surgery, plastic surgery to, to and look this beautiful. is you yeah yeah to look beautiful <laughs> <laughs> well i was gonna ask I mean, obviously, there's so much like CG and computer graphics. Like, where's the decision point being like, no, we want to make this physical thing and adhere it to Lucas's face versus doing it on the computer? When, when do you decide on that? And what is it about the tactile experience? Because Lucas, I see that in videos of yours where there's masks and there's, you know, there's like physical elements as well. Well, like God in my God is so right. disgusting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my God, yeah, my God was like, yeah, exactly. The first... The first sort of foray into physical makeup. I think it's just like, it's a couple things. One is it just looks cooler and you can get a performance day of that's much more fun and interesting. And it's also something that doesn't happen a lot. It has like this stigma of being like way too high budget for anybody to do it, but it really isn't. It's just, you got to find the right people. I think it's just prosthetics are fun and we need more of them in general. Yeah, they just look freaking so good <laughs> yeah they look so weird <laughs> they look so weird and like when i try to do something with prosthetics or live action i like to keep my like meat and vegetables separately i don't really want to have to do much animation or post-production on top of live action footage i want it to all like be there because that's how you're going to get like a good performance the day of is if people can like actually interact with it Hey, I'm sure you can get, they get good performances from people on green screens and stuff all the time, but that's just not how I would prefer to work. It's more fun to just like go full force at something and just like try it. Yeah, they're, it's kind of like a mix of like snail eyes and googly eyes. And I really would like a version of it that I can wear next Halloween. Well, I will say you can't see when you're wearing them. So. <laughs> so you're sitting there and you can't see a thing. <laughs> An actual experience of shooting that was I went to Darren's studio and he put the eyes on me and then Alan came and then we were just going to shoot in the parking lot of the studio, but we had accidentally decided to do it later in the day and the sun was going down so they were like oh let's just walk a little further and they ended up just leading me around for like an hour and a half just around Glassell Park and then like around, like up into the hills and then they were like oh let's just get in the car for a little <laughs> quick and I was just like I don't know where I'm going I don't know what's going on so you were basically like blindfolded and held hostage yeah and basically they would just be like oh this is really good put your hand out there's a stove and I'm like why is there a st are we on the street <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I'll just like put my hand out for a stove and then like touch this. And then it was very fun to see the photos then like, you know, the next day and see where I was and see like, oh, when they told me to squat down, it was because I was next to a huge pile of trash. And then, yeah, I think the one of the photos, like it was getting dark. So they just lit me with the headlights of Alan's car. <laughs> so I was just like squatting in the headlights near this pile of trash. I mean, there, there's some good, there's some good photos. That's the one that ended up on the insert on the inside. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This cover and package design just got like a million times better knowing that you had zero <laughs> idea of anything going on. Yeah. I was just like, all right, let's, you know, whatever you say. <laughs> I mean, I love Alan. Like, I feel like Alan's, Alan's visual sensibility is just like, I don't care if I can't see, like, I'll do whatever you say. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Alan, I know, you know, he's been doing things with Adult Swim for years and years. And I want to hear about both of your background in comedy. Like, were you both always interested in comedy and, and comedy videos and things like that growing up? Because, you know, we talked about the art, Steve, we talked about the music, Lucas, but I feel like I know comedy is such a big part of the way you present to the world. When did that start? I mean, I love to laugh. Yeah, I like to laugh. But also, like, since I was a kid, I've wanted to make, you know, like comedy content, like cartoons. I remember wanting a cartoon, like, really bad. When I was talking about, like, how I first started doing computer graphics with Flash animation, all of those were just, like, comedy stuff. And it's just been sort of a thread in everything that I've made with Lucas and without Lucas since day one. And that's also how we started. Strong Bad was like one of my favorite like cartoons ever. Um, I don't know. If yeah, me too. I was, yeah. I was a big fan of the Homestar stuff. Uh, so good. But you, you were saying basically that you, you always wanted to do like comedy cartoons and things like that growing up. and Yeah, yeah. And still, tr- still trying to. Yeah. Like I made a, a thing with Adult Swim last year called Piggy, just like a, a longer form short thing that was based off of the My God video. Or, or like we had the same person play Piggy and God and My God, and they're sort of very similar characters, Clay Tatum. And Lucas did the music. Lucas, how about you and, and comedy? I mean, you love to laugh, obviously. I love to laugh. We, we, we discussed that. But how early was that part of what you were creating and combining with music? I don't like super serious work in general, it's not really a reflection of how I see the world and how I engage with the world. I mean, I think the world is a funny place. I mean, it's super fucked up, but I feel like you have to kind of, I don't know, you you gotta laugh. Otherwise, what the hell? <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's the only way that I can make work is if I can laugh in some way. I mean, laugh and cry at the same time. It's the best kind of thing. Yeah. And you're very funny, Lucas. I've been watching the um, oh, thank you. Jerry Paper Teaches series, which is on Eternal TV. Oh, thank you very much. Yes. I wish we could make, I mean, we, we, we will make more eventually, but I wish it was easier to make them more often. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. So, so funny. We were watching a bunch of, uh, a bunch of episodes this week and just cracking up. But how about Adult Swim? Like, how did you both start connecting and, and doing work with Adult Swim? Obviously, such a great platform for creative folks and and you both have done a lot there how did that start the first stuff i did for adult swim was all through my friend vince and it was all like interactive one-off web page based stuff a lot of like 3d web pages we did this character creator called very man and then the first like uh linear like comedy thing we did was with lucas and jay it was that live stream test called ujb yeah and that was the first thing i'd ever done with them yeah and then we let we like launched off that and did facelift together for them and ujb was people can watch it on eternal tv right lucas yeah if you if you get an account to eternal.tv eternal family our friend cole's incredibly good and strange like netflix alternative (laughs) i guess (laughs) it's more interesting than netflix it's got a more fair business model than netflix yeah there's a lot of good, strange things on there. Yeah. But yeah, our, our, you know, you can watch University of J at Burbank um, there. What, what is that a, series? Tr- truly unhinged, um, like hour and a half or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's an hour and a half. It was originally intended to be like a weekly stream that was like a an online school. 
where like students would tune into the stream and interact with the teacher, Jay Weingarten. Lucas was the band leader, kind of like, uh, oh, who's the who's the late night guy? Max Weinberg's the only one I can think of. So Lucas was Jay's Max Weinberg, and I was the guy controlling the edit like live. And it was sort of this like hybrid late night show classroom that was just chaos. A lot of fun to do. Speaking of live comedy and, and TV shows and all that, Steve, I wanted to ask about, you've also done design with Team Coco and done interactive design with Snapchat. Are, do you have a full-time role as well or are these kind of gigs that you take on? First job I got out of college was at Team Coco and I was just their sort of like general purpose designer. Like I did some web design, I did some video editing. I ran their Twitch stream for a while. And that was my first job. And I did that for three years. And so made a ton of stuff with them. And it was really fun. But then decided to go off on my own, went off on my own for about a year. And then out of the blue, got offered a job at Snapchat, which was one of the craziest experiences of my life, just because it's like, you know, it's like being in a movie working at a company like that, you know, like, every single thing is so surreal and strange. And you're just like, how does this company have so much money? We would go to like keynotes and there's like a guy and there's like a mythology behind the company. And they're like this 26 year old guy, you know, here's his whole story and you're going to do all the stuff that he did to get to this point. So we had to go on like these retreats and I actually don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about the specifics, but so I was at Snapchat, it was only two months, but it was just like two of the craziest months of my life. And wow. then I was like, this is too much. Were you making filters? Yeah, we were we were doing filters, like okay. sort of figuring out the early augmented reality stuff. Do you still wear a, a pair of those glasses? The snap, snap, what were they called? Snap lenses. My brother and sister both have them, but I okay. never got a pair because they wouldn't give us a free pair. I like, I was like, oh, what? I'll, I'll, I'll t- they, yeah, we had to pay a hundred dollars for them. <laughs> which was ridiculous because we got so much other free stuff. Like we had a little card that like we could go to any restaurant in Venice beach and just get free food from it. And that, that was, yeah, that was the best part of the job for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then from Snapchat, I did the dress up gang. And since then I've just been like trying it out on freelance. I work for a company called brain dead right now doing like clothing design and oh, video yeah. stuff. Yeah. I've seen a bunch of those videos. It's, it's awesome. And surreal and is that is that all original work or do you also bring kind of samples in yeah i I, that's mostly original work like a lot of it's been like live action and stuff but all the 3d stuff for brain dead has been original not a lot of uh pre-made assets for those what program do you use without getting you know too too geeky here like what what's the 3d program du jour yeah, I, I use Cinema 4D to like as my hub for everything, but then I'll jump out and use a bunch of different types of software like ZBrush, Houdini, Substance Painter, fo- Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, no, I just use whatever whatever the proper tool for the thing is, and I try to learn it. What fascinates me about Lucas and the musical experience of Jerry Paper is the boundless expressions they use to get listeners closer to the songs in any way, shape, or form. Back in 2014, Jerry Paper released Big Pop for Chameleon World, along with a video game version of the record. I had to learn more about how this project came together and the process of turning an album into a video game. I made that with Cole, who operates eternal tv just go to colkush.com or whatever his website is <laughs> he, he's just he's amazing i mean he's also just incredibly wonderful person and the most fun like cole and steve are the two people that i like to collaborate with the most because it's generally speaking we're just on the same aesthetic wavelength so generally speaking it's like i'll make something and then cole and steve both usually go like cool i love it great could you do like this one little thing? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. But like, it's really b- very rare to collaborate with people in that way. Is that the best kind of collaborations where it's it's not necessarily the back and forth and like the idea sharing? It's just like you you are in the same vibe with people. The comfort to be free with each other, I feel like, is the way that you will make the best work. Yeah, it's 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 more about like the comfortability with the person and like 
I think we're underselling the back and forth a, a little bit. Like we, there's we definitely, definitely a lot text. of back and forth, but yeah, the back yeah, and forth yeah. is fun. It's not like, yeah. oh, did he did this thing wrong, and I have to figure out how to tell him. And like it's like, yeah, you're just coming up with ideas, and it's fun. But anyway, so yeah, so with the video game, Cole emailed me because he was working on a music video for this band, Walter TV, who's friends of ours, and Cole said that he was listening to my music a lot when he was working on this video and he wanted to make a video for me. And I was like, cool, like, I love your work, let's do it. And then as we were talking about the idea for this video, he just mentioned in passing, like, oh, and then, you know, I'll have made this video, so we'll have all these 3D environments and we can make, like, a video game out of it or something. And I was like, wait, why are we making a video when we could just make a game? And then it was just the kind of thing where, I was young enough that I was coming up with a lot of ideas without thinking about how hard it would be to make them. <laughs> so, so so we were just like, I was just like, oh yeah, we'll make a whole video game for the whole album. And he was just like, okay, sure, let's try to do that. <laughs> There's like a whole philosophy out there about naivety, like the naive mind. Yeah, you're dumb enough not to realize how much work it is <laughs> to do that. So you so just, you do just it. decide to do it and then all of a sudden you're in too deep so you have to finish it. That was essentially what the video game project was. Is like, And also the fun thing about that was I literally just like took 10 minutes to have a stream of consciousness like writing what I wanted to be in each room and then Cole just did it. <laughs> because like, all right, it's gonna be a chef, and he's gonna be in the middle of this field, and, and there's and like, and, and like just all sorts of things. It would be like, all right, so it's gonna be like you're riding like a doom buggy, and then there's like all these mantises, and then there's these giant dancing hippies, and then we're gonna have this, and and then he just did it, and that's what the video game is. It's literally just exploring like cockroaches and and jean shorts, and then it's like, and that's you know that's what the game is. It's cockroaches and jean shorts. I mean, I was living in a apartment with a lot of cockroaches so it was on my mind i was wearing jean shorts you literally it was one of those situations where you just look around the room <laughs> it's like, like uh, uh, it's cockroaches jean, jean shorts on <laughs> yeah <laughs> essentially you know it was just like i i just was like seeing how much i could get away with coming up with and seeing what cole would do and then cole just is just incredibly kind good-natured canadian man who was just like yeah no problem. I'll yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> so it was fun. Yeah, I love the visuals. I, I I got like kind of a lawnmower man vibe to it and this like early, you know, CG era style to it, which I loved. I will say my favorite thing that has ever come out of the video game, like I love the video game itself and it's very fun and I love when people play it and engage with it. But the the funniest thing ever was someone emailed me a YouTube video of them doing a speed run of the game, which is like so counter to the concept the of the <laughs> game that like what what is a speed run? So well, so, so the whole point of the game <laughs> is like every single song has a world that you explore, and you just explore it like at your own pace, whatever. A speed run is you try to play a game as fast as possible, <laughs> but the best part is the person who's playing the game has a cold, is singing along to every song, and wasn't able to record the music. So it's just someone kind of <laughs> humming, like humming along and singing along with a cold to all of the songs on this album and trying to go as fast as possible through this thing. It's just like, there. it just it makes me so happy. I, I responded to the email being like, this is the best this is the best thing ever. Like, I absolutely love this. It just brings me so much joy. <laughs> I, I feel like that should absolutely become like a bonus track on the digital album. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. <laughs> is having fun yourselves and like trying to create more fun in the world and get, you know, get people feeling fun and, and lighter and, and enjoying themselves, is that part of the work that you're doing? Or is it more kind of just like, well, this is entertaining to us and we want to have a good time. And like you said, Lucas, you know, humor is part of life and how you see the world. But how much of that is like baked into the art making and like the impact you actually want it to have? It's not like we set the intention, like I'm going to no, make definitely this not. It's not and people purpose. are going to have fun. But I think it's definitely a byproduct of the process that we like to work in, which is, yeah, having fun ourselves. Like if we like laugh, heavily at it like or when i'm animating something if i'm laughing i'm like 
even if I'm not sure if it's the right edit or a good thing, I'm going to just leave this like this because it's making me laugh. And that's probably a great sign. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's this one Steely Dan quote, I think from like some interview in the two thousands, they're at some like weird jazz festival and someone is like, how do you choose lyrics or something? I can't remember what the question was, but basically their answer was they read a whole bunch of lyrics and then whatever is the funniest one is the one that they make the song into. Which, like, I always, like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Like, if it makes you laugh, like, why is that not the go-to? Generally speaking, if it makes you laugh and then also a little bit sad, that's the best. That's the perfect, that's that's where you want it. Yeah, that's that's the way I like to make stuff. If I'm feeling those things while I'm doing it, then it's probably good. And you've said that Steely Dan is kind of one of your like North stars in terms of like inspiration in the music and the, the lyrics. Is that still hold true? Yeah. I mean, I love Celian. Yeah. Freaking rules. Like one of the most fun experiences of my life was seeing Celia Dan a few years ago. They're just the best. I don't know. I agree. Yeah. I mean, definitely when I was able to work in studios for the first few years is definitely when there was, it became more of a touchstone for my music. And something I was like, oh, I can look to this and try to recreate like certain aspects of it that resonate with me. Is that your songwriting process? Do you do you come up with a tune first and then add lyrics or do you kind of scratch out lyrics and then like you were talking about kind of circle the ones that are most intriguing for you to build off of? Yeah, I mean, the latter, I think, is the most correct. Generally speaking, I'm making notes constantly in the notes app in my phone of just like ideas And then most of them are super dumb and I don't want anyone to ever see them. And then like a few of them, I'm like, that's actually, I could do something with that. And then I'll like take that and put it in. But generally speaking, the lyric writing and the music writing are separate and simultaneous. And then they come together when they need to come together. Sometimes I'll write a melody that that has a specific line in it. and But that's kind of rare. Generally speaking, it's like, I have ideas, things that I'm thinking about, and then I have music that I'm making, and then they're happening at the same time, so they feel connected to me, and then I can bring them together. And do you usually bring them together in the recording studio? Like, did you bring it together for Abracadabra beforehand or during those sessions? For Abracadabra, I made really fleshed out MIDI demos and then re-recorded everything with real instruments. Okay. So I had written all the lyrics. There were certain lyrics that I changed. Like, if a line had been bothering me for months, then I'm like, this is obviously stupid and I need to change it. And this is my last opportunity when I'm recording the vocals in the studio. So there were certain things that I would change. But generally speaking, those were pretty fleshed out when I brought them into the studio. I'd love to talk about Choya, which is one of my favorite collaborations that you both worked on together. And we didn't touch on it yet, but that's from the new record. And yeah, completely surreal, completely tripped out. Instead of your kind of computerized, digitized face, Lucas, it's you know you appearing on the screen kind of in these different amorphous blob shapes. I want to hear about how this thing came together because it's really like... It's like my favorite thing. (laughs) I've been sending it to people and watching it on repeat. And I almost like want to walk into a gallery and see like blown up stills (laughs) from this thing. And then I want to like be in some kind of like immersive VR experience of it too. Like I want all of the experiences around this video. It's like, yeah, I think it's like the most fun. That's awesome. That's great to hear. It's funny because we almost like... The only reason we we did another CGI video is because those like silly live action promos that we were talking about earlier fell through. And I, I, I'm pretty happy about that, actually, because this video is also one of my favorite things that we've done together as well. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so happy with it. The way we came up with it again was just like I was in L.A. at the beginning of March last year. And this is was like just before the pandemic had like started oh, that sweet moment right before. <laughs> yeah, we were like, OK, uh. I'll just, we'll just record a bunch of video and like, I'll like take photos of your ID and I'll put them in like CGI scenes and like, that'll be the video. And like, that's just our solution for like a one man team, sort of like simpler video. So we shot all these videos in LA with Lucas at the, uh, what botanical gardens were they at? Uh, Huntington gardens. We had a lovely day at the gardens where we, just we did have a walked around and you just shot close-up videos of my face so there was really no reason for us to be there but (laughs) yeah 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 but we didn't end up using any of those videos yeah like three weeks later i was back in michigan 
and you just ended up shooting it all on your phone yourself and then sending it to me. Oh yeah, I did. I shot it all on my phone and then you were like, this sucks. And then I went to Tucker's house and Tucker shot. Oh shit. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tucker Phillips, great guy. Shot all the video for the stuff. But then like, again, this was very similar to the, uh, your cocoon video where it was just like every scene was stream of consciousness. Like we touched on earlier, I use all the videos to like learn something new. The thing I was learning with this one was Houdini, which is like simulation, like CGI simulation. So that's where you get all the blobs and ridiculous stuff from. There was never a concept for it. It was just, we need a video. It has to be animated because I got to make it myself. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That was kind of the, that was, that's like, Another, you know, issue with this record is like the video ideas were kind of thrown together because everything else wasn't working. <laughs> like the puppeteer video was the puppeteer video we did in like three days. Yeah. Yeah. The puppeteer one was really funny. We were, yeah. they were just like, we need a lyric video. Can you just like animate lyrics over one of the photos? I was like, no, we should do something more. I just sat for three days and tried to like make it as fast as I could. And I think it turned out really cool, too. Yeah, I, I love that video. Is that the one that's mostly, like, black and white? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's somewhere between, like, a full-blown music video and a lyric video. I mean, there's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, totally. Well, Steve, Lucas, this was such a pleasure to have you on the show. And I love your music, Lucas. Steve, I'm really a big fan of your artwork. And together, the combination is just incredible and brilliant. And I feel like, yeah, it brings the music to a new experience level which is what it's all about so yeah thank you both so much for joining this has been a blast yeah thanks for having us yeah it's been a lot of fun thanks for having us thanks so much for listening a great big thanks to lucas nathan otherwise known as jerry paper and steve smith it was so much fun spending that time together i appreciate you taking us all inside your creative worlds My big takeaway from this episode is the idea that Lucas shared around collaborations often being most successful when you're vibing with your collaborator. You're on the same wavelength and you appreciate the same kinds of artwork. I think this kind of vibing can be inclusive of different interests and experiences. As Lucas said, they enjoy working with collaborators who take them outside their perceived comfort zones. But I think there's something to that idea, that intuition of working with people who you trust and who you feel get one another on a level that is sometimes hard to explain in words. Definitely check out Jerry Paper's music. I would say to start with their latest, Abracadabra, and then move in reverse chronological order from there. I love their music and can't wait to see what the future brings. You can also check out more from Steve Smith at stevesmith.co and Jerry Paper at jerrypaper.guru. And as you heard in this interview, they are all over eternal.tv. You can check out the short Piggy on Adult Swim and Steve's editing work on the live-action TBS series, The Dress-Up Gang. I hope you'll subscribe and share this podcast with a friend too. And if you like what you heard, please post a review or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much. Making Ways is created, hosted, and illustrated by me, Rob Goodman. Audio engineered by Brian Paik at Pacific Audio. You can learn more about the show at makingwayspodcast.com. Find us on Instagram at making.ways. And if you have a project that brings together music and art, I'd love to connect. Be well and see you soon. Thanks again for listening.